Hey guys, it's Rachel, and this is a special episode of Podcast where we're catching up. We have lots of really exciting things going on in the world, and I thought it would be nice to just tell you what's going on and also just sort of like chat. Like it's sort of like a Rage Talk episode, except it's not video, it's just me talking. It's like, do you have a sister or a friend that you call and you guys just sort of like, and then you know, Bobby's teacher got mad because he forgot his notebook. Like where you just catch each other up on life. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to catch you up on my life. Good, bad, and indifferent. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. And I guess we can start right here. And this will be the litmus test about whether or not we're the kind of friends where you want to stay for this conversation, because this is where I'm jumping off. I am a PMS monster. I am a monster. I, my hormones are wackadoo. And if you listen to my episode with Dr. Brush, where I talked about balancing my hormones and how hard I have worked to get them under control, it's episode 289 here on the show if you want to go listen to it. But if you listen to that episode, then you know I've been working on this so hard, which is why you can possibly understand how frustrating it is that they feel so off this week. And I've been trying to figure out what has thrown them off. And then I realized what it was. And I was so annoyed and so frustrated because I hate when I do things and I accidentally sabotage myself. And I did. But I'm going to tell you because this is not something I really knew about before I worked on my hormones. And it's not something the doctor and I talked about on the show. But I've had a couple of times now where I felt similar experiences where I usually don't have any sort of issue around my period now. They're usually really good and calm and I don't feel too emotional and things are well, but I have been really off the last three or four days and I finally realized what I did. I am in Hawaii for the summer. You listened to last week's podcast episode, you know all about that, but I'm in Hawaii and while my little kids are at camp, my teenagers are here with me. And one of my teenage sons really wanted to go work out at a gym. Like we've been doing these backyard workouts, which are great. And that's all body strength, but he's 13 and he thinks gyms are cool. And there is actually a really cool gym nearby. So I was like, yeah, we'll go to the gym. And he's like, mom, can we do leg day? And I'm like, bro, I was, I'm, I was born. I'm the queen of leg day. I'm not really. I just like wanted him to think I was cool. So we go to the gym and we go hard. Like we do all the things, we get it done. We're both like so proud of ourselves. Our legs are shaky. We can barely walk. And I have a couple days of trying to recover from that really good workout and feeling like pumped about it. And as a point of reference, I don't normally do workouts like that. I'm a runner. 
I do body weight strength training and then I do yoga. I don't really do the hard stuff anymore. And then I've had all of these days in a row of just feeling super whacked out and really irritated, really frustrated, wanting to cry. I mean, literally the kids were with their dad for um, the afternoon yesterday and I could have done anything. It was like my only time alone on this island. Could have gone to dinner, could have gone to my favorite wine bar. No. I watched the new Downton Abbey movie and I cried my eyes out. And I did it because I needed to cry. Do you guys know? Have you anyone else? Can I get an can I get a witness? Can I get an amen? Does anyone else do when you're like, I really need to cry? I really need to let this out. So I intentionally watched a movie that I knew would make me sad. And FYI, if you have not seen the new Downton Abbey movie, you should prepare your heart because there's a part where you're definitely going to cry. Yeah. So I have been super off and have been really emotional. And then I realized I was like, oh, I'm such a dummy. I can't believe I did that. The doctor has told me at least twice before when this has happened that how I'm going to explain this is definitely not medically accurate because I can't remember exactly which hormones she told me were involved. But basically the gist was if you put your body through extreme physical fatigue, especially when your hormones are as sensitive as mine, your body will, if it doesn't have enough of the hormones it needs for the workout or for the repair post-workout, it will take from your sex hormones, meaning estrogen, progesterone. It'll take those things to pull into repair, which means you're already out of whack in your system hormonally because you're about to start your period and then you've just messed with those hormones even more. So um, I accidentally mess myself up and there's really no way out but through. <laughs> so here I am um, venting to you and telling you what's going on, but telling you because maybe you have done something similar or you continually do something similar and you don't know why that's happening. One of the things that the doctor suggested to me was just to do workouts. If you want to work out or move your body closer to the start of your menses that you just want to do things that are not so physically taxing. So that was helpful. And God willing, I will remember next month so we don't find ourselves in this position again. But beyond um, needing to have a good cry, which was lovely, by the way, I am having a really exciting day because we announced the Rach Talk Live Tour. So this is my podcast tour meets my Rage Talk show over on YouTube, bringing it live to 11 different cities this fall. And I'm so pumped because I haven't gotten to go on tour since 2019. The last time I went on tour was a book tour, and that was in 2019. And it was so fun. It's so fun to come to different cities and to meet people where they live. And this is the first time that I've ever been able to do it with a speaking element. So we are going to theaters in, like I said, 11 different cities. And it's so funny because we announced it today and I don't read comments ever. I just, I, I miss getting to interact with people on social media, but I found that for my emotional well-being, it's better for me to just not consume any comments. And, but today it felt important because there were 
you know, like this is exciting. We haven't done something like this before. And I just wanted to check in and I knew people would have questions and I just wanted to go in. So it's just going in. And it's so funny because so much love and support from you guys over on Instagram about the announcement of tour. And then you have classic, which is like hundreds, if not thousands of people being like, but what about Phoenix? But what about LA? But oh, aren't you coming to Florida? And to those people, I would say like, we have to start somewhere. And this is where we're starting. And fingers crossed, it'll be something amazing. And then we'll get to add more cities. So um, keep your fingers crossed. And if you're worried that we may not come to your city, I mean, maybe you buy a ticket to Detroit and maybe you come hang out with me there. I don't know. I also love that like, I don't consume comments. And then the one time I go on, I'm like, oh yeah, this is why. Uh, Because I was like 10 comments in and someone was like, ew, what are you wearing? like, why is the internet? Why do we say things on the internet? Or I I shouldn't say we, because I do not comment on people's stuff unless it's to hype them up. But I was like, what is happening still? Like, why would you ever say something to someone in a comment section that you would not say to their face? It's so wild to me. I would never walk up to another woman and be like, oh, what, what are you wearing? What is this outfit? Like, what? So I just wrote back. I said, it's a tuxedo because I was feeling fancy. But honestly, (laughs) and then I was like, I'm done. I can't even interact with anybody else because I just I'm like, come on. And I guess I should be able to wave a magic wand. I tried for a really long time, like for years, you guys, I tried to just be like, I want a thicker skin. I'm going to be tough. I'm going to be able to handle the comments and maybe to you it seems like who cares but i just i've i've been on social media since the beginning and it's really powerful it's a really powerful thing when you get feedback that you need to hear when you do something wrong when you say something when you unintentionally are offensive and you need to do some learning and be better and grow that's amazing that's a really powerful effect that social media can have but when it's just someone who's like just being snarky, especially women to women. I'm like, I can't, I just, I don't like it. So I go back to just not reading comments. I do go consume DMs. So I get a lot and it's pretty hard for me to get through huge chunks, but um, I'm sure some of you can attest. I do go in at least weekly and I'll try and answer as many DMs as I can. Cause I'm like, well, even, you know, directly writing to 25 people is way better than than not doing anything at all. So I found that people in DMs are, they're asking questions or they're they're seriously like wanting to have a conversation. They're not just like making snarky remarks. So I was super excited to, to get to announce today and I'm really excited to get to come to your city. And I honestly think that people who say things don't think about how they sound. I just, I'm gonna give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And one of the things that I'm trying to practice as a human being is the belief that everybody is doing their best. Everybody's doing the very best they can with the tools and the resources and the access that they have. I think it's important to remember that there are real people on the other side of those things. I guess maybe not for everybody. I'm sure there's a lot of people who have um, other people post for them, but on my social, it's me. So um, if I actually read anything, I'm, I'm the one who reads it. And maybe honestly, like you're the kind of person where you're like, oh, how on earth are you that much of a weenie that that bothers you? And I would say to you, 
I have done <laughs> like 25 years of therapy to try and um, unpack that and get over it. But it's still there to some extent. And so what I've just discovered is that it is way, way, way healthier for me to just not consume it. And I actually think it's healthy for me to not consume either way. So I don't consume the people saying, wow, you're amazing. I love you. Your hair's pretty. And I don't consume the people saying, you're ugly. You're disgusting. You're the worst mom alive. I hate you. Because both those things exist all the time for me on the internet. And I found that it's just better to create content and put it out into the world and hope that it's helpful for someone and just trust that God in the universe will do with it what it's supposed what's supposed to be done. And it's not my job to make sure that it's received properly. So, so anyways, that was a big conversation about social media. There you go. But all of it to say, <laughs> Rach Talk Live tour or rachetalklive.com. I think either one will take you to where you want to go. So you can find out ticketing information and come hang out. We're doing a VIP thing where we get to meet each other and take a picture and get early access and the whole thing and general admission, and oh, guys, it's all the things. And speaking of tours, um, I this is another reason that this, like, PMS is extra hard, is that my boyfriend is gone. He's on tour now himself, and um, I'm so sad. I miss him because he's gone for quite a while. I do get to see him occasionally throughout, um, but it's hard to go from having like this amazing supportive human that you get access to whenever you want to now it's all FaceTime. And I'm sure there are those of you who are in long distance relationships and you have partners who are living in different places. So you're very familiar with this, but it also just makes me sad. And I'm confident that I will get used to it and it'll all be okay. And it's so fun when we do get to hang out, but yeah, that was a hard, that was a hard thing this week was to, or I guess it, it's been over a week since I said goodbye. And um, yeah, this is, this is what it is to be away from each other. But all good things are worth the wait. Does that make sense? Yeah, he's a really good thing. So he's worth the the distance. And I think I'm sort of the ideal person to be in partnership with if you don't have a lot of time or you have a pretty busy job because same. I just wish that I would say like every 48 hours if I could just get a hug. That's it. I'd be so golden. Like just, you know, let's fly to a center point destination, hug each other and then carry on with our lives. I feel like that would be fantastic. But it just is what it is, I guess. I've never had a relationship quite like this before. I've never sort of said like, bye, I'll see you at the end of the year. <laughs> and he does get time off. I just, I've never obviously uh, been in a relationship with someone who was on a world tour. So it's just, it's just a little different for me. It's super fun when you get to go to a show or get to go to a fun city but yeah, I just need that 48-hour hug and then I'll be okay. Which speaking of, I don't know if I've talked to you guys about this. Y'all have to be, I shouldn't say have to be, maybe you're a new listener. Do you know your love language? 
do you know your love language? This is one of my favorite questions to ask new friends because I feel like it's so powerful in understanding yourself and understanding others. But my love language has changed post-divorce. I've never heard anyone else talk about that, but it really has. And I'm sure that a psychologist could go pretty deep on why it's shifted and changed or what it meant or how it's tweaked or any of it. But um, my two love languages used to be words of affirmation and acts of service. And now it's acts of service is number one by a mile. And physical touch is a huge one for me. And it wasn't before. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a series of books you can read. You could you could literally Google it. But essentially, everybody has a language uh, or a style of expressing and receiving love. There are five different languages. And it's really powerful to understand because most people are giving others love the way they want to receive love. So for instance, acts of service. That means that one of the most powerful things you can do for me is to be helpful, to do the dishes, to take the trash out, to do something for me that is helpful, like it's an action, right? So imagine that that's your love language. And so you keep doing things like you keep taking the trash out, you keep filling the car up with gas, you keep, you know, putting the kids to bed or whatever. You keep doing things to try and show your partner that you love them. But let's say your partner's love language is words of affirmation. They need to hear you say, I love you. You're doing a good job. You're so hot. You're so such a good dad. Like they need to hear those things. So you keep trying to love them the way you want to be loved. And they keep going, why doesn't she love me? They're like, why doesn't she love me? Because you're not speaking it in a way that they can understand. So knowing your own love language, knowing your friend's love language, your partner, your kids, your parents, it is so powerful in helping a relationship to thrive. And one of my big ones now is physical touch, which is what makes it hard to have the person who can give me a hug be in a different state. But that's where we are and it's okay. What else is going on? I am officially writing the next book, guys. That's that's a pretty big thing. Nobody told me I couldn't say that to you. I mean, nobody told me I could, but nobody also told me not to say it. So I will tell you that I am writing the next book. I don't know when it comes out. I just know when I turn it in. So it feels really good to be back writing again. I was redoing the about page on my website today. <laughs> which I was supposed to do like two years ago and I kept forgetting. But I was redoing the about page and I was trying to explain like, how do you explain what you do when you're writing about yourself? Because just as an FYI, if you're trying to explain your career, but you're writing about yourself, it just always to me ends up sounding a bit douchey. So I was like, how do I explain what I do? And I, what I went with was I'm Rachel Hollis and I'm a writer. Because that is the most like singular way that I can describe what I do for a living. And every single thing that I do, whether it's this podcast or books, obviously, or starting as a blogger 15 years ago or any of it, it always for me begins with the written word. 
And I feel like I express myself best in long form written word. And I'm really excited to be doing it again. And I'm excited to do something that feels light. Yeah, that feels light. Not on the actual conversation because I, you know me, I always want to talk about big things and unpack stuff, but I just want to do it in a way that's funny. That's like my big focus now is like, how do we laugh? How do we have fun? How do we lift some spirits? Because I just don't, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know anybody that can really handle like a super heavy, deep, hard, like I, I just, we, we've been through so much hard. I just feel like, yeah, let's keep learning. Let's keep evolving. Let's keep growing. But can we do it while we laugh? And I believe we can. I believe some of the most beautiful lessons you can learn, you can have while holding space for both humor and sadness, right? Like some of the hardest moments of my life are hilarious. Like go, oh my, going through divorce was one of the most awful, awful hard things I have ever been through in my life. And still, like, honestly, I cannot believe that after two years, I'm still dealing. <laughs> I thought, I really thought that like you, you get it and then it's, you know, it's hard, but then you start to move on. And it's pretty wild that when you are raising kids that you have to continually be interacting with and exposed to a thing that you were trying to have freedom from. And so that's a really interesting process. But as hard as all of that was, and as hard as it still is, there are moments where you have to, I mean, you belly laugh. You laugh so hard you're crying because you have to laugh or you're going to cry. Right? And I just think that if we're going to talk about hard stuff, like let's do it while we chuckle. So that's the intention with the next book. And I realize I just made it sound like it could possibly be about divorce and it's not at all. Barf. No. <laughs> I'm done. I said in the last book, all I'm going to say about that. Um, but yeah, that's not what it's about. But I do think that there's some ways to have some conversations about moving forward and getting unstuck and finding your path and getting clarity and all of it, but like do it without it having to feel like this massive slog. Because when you're in those seasons, I mean, hell, when you're in a bad hormone cycle, it can feel like it's never ending. And one of the best ways I know of to is to just find some moments of levity. So that is definitely the goal. I'm just looking at this on my desk, which I think is fun. So I'm going to tell you about it. I keep this stack of three by five white index cards. So they're blank index cards. And it's statement. So like I have my start today journal, obviously, and I fill it out every morning. I hope you do too. Start today, fam. But I I love it because it's succinct, right? I'm just naming those 10 dreams and then the goal that I'm going to work on first. But I found that I like to, there's something called scripting 
like people who are into manifesting and law of attraction do this thing called scripting where they sort of write out these goals or these dreams or these ideal scenarios for themselves. They write it out almost like a movie script or like a description in a book and it's a little bit longer, right? So I really liked that idea, not huge and long and a full page, but I wanted more room than there was in my Start Today journal. So I started putting kind of longer form statements on these index cards and I carry the stack around with me always. And I will add to it. I will pull stuff away, but essentially I just like to flip through it at least once a day to remind myself of where I'm going. So for instance, the top note card right now on the stack says, my new book is turned in and it's the best thing I've ever written. Oh, this is the one I wrote about my relationship. It says, my relationship is abundant, loving, sexy, beautiful. Other people smile when they see us and our energy. My relationship with Ford and Noah gets better every day. And as we become closer, they become best buddies. And the reason I am telling you those is because those are things I wrote over a year ago. And both of those are real. Like at the time, I I could not figure out my two youngest kids just fought all the time, all the time they fought, which I suppose is normal. He's nine, she's five. And they know how to push each other's buttons and they absolutely do. But I just, I don't want to accept that idea as a parent. Um, and it's it's funny, I get teased a lot. Like I have, um, my niece is the oldest child in her family and I was the youngest. And so I'll say stuff and she's like, oh, sounds like the youngest is talking. And I'm like, you know what? Yes. It is youngest mentality. But for me, I don't want my kids to, of course, kids are going to argue and kids are going to get into arguments. But consistently, like every day fighting with each other, I, I, no, I'm not interested in that. And I'm not interested in it because I feel like my family had all sorts of stuff growing up. But one of them was this mentality of like, oh, kids will be kids. And my, There's just was so much fighting, so much fighting. And I don't really remember my parents ever doing anything to fix it. And I remember getting picked on or getting bullied sometimes by siblings and my parents not doing anything. Like things that were like really not okay. I look back with the eyes of a mother and go like, that was really jacked up and nobody did anything to stop it. So for me... Obviously, I can't change the past, but I can use that information to affect the way that I parent. And for me, I really care deeply that my kids get along. I think it's one of the biggest testaments of how I want to show up as a parent and as a human is to raise kids that love each other and um, stick up for each other and are each other's champions and just freaking get along. And my mom was here with us for a few days last week. Thank you, mom. Thank you for showing up. And um, the kids are really good, especially when we're here. They're really good about playing together. And unprompted, they'll just go play in the backyard. And my mom was like, man, you should be so proud of yourself. Like that is a big deal that your kids play so well together. And I'm talking like from the 15-year-old down to the five-year-old, all four of them will go play. And I'm like, honestly, yes, I am pretty proud of that. But a year ago, 
a year and a half ago, whenever I wrote out this note card, I was just feeling such sadness because the two little ones fought all the time. And I'm like, how do I help them? I don't know how to help them. That I really didn't have this issue with the older two, but I don't know how to fix this. And so the only thing I could really think of was if I was more intentional about the three of us doing things together, then maybe I could model better behavior for them how to play. And maybe I could help them be solution-oriented instead of going to an emotional place. And when I was flipping through this the other day, I was like, dang, we have come so far. And they still definitely push each other's buttons and they'll fall back into that, especially when they're tired. But I am so freaking proud of how far Noah and Ford have come in loving each other and acting with kindness and being better humans. So all of that to say, you know, I love start today. Obviously we use it all the time. And I think it's a great way to keep your focus, to practice your gratitude and keep your focus. And we've seen incredible results, but if you don't, if you can't afford the start today journal, remember that you can always do it in whatever notebook you have. Episode 72 of the podcast will walk you through the whole process. But even if you just, you know, want to do like I do and carry around some three by five note cards like a cool kid, uh, it's just an easy way to remember where you're going and, and what you're doing. Oh, oh my gosh. I almost forgot to tell you guys, I'm vlogging this summer. I'm totally vlogging. Did I tell you that? Or did you see that on social? I'm only into the second episode and I can't necessarily say that I'm great at it, uh, but I'm getting better, which by getting better, I mean that Jack is like, hey, you need to turn in like five times as much footage as you're turning in. (laughs) Um, So I'm definitely going to um, be better at that. But in the meantime, I did a vlog about going to LA the last time that I got to see my boyfriend before he went on tour, hanging out with my girlfriends, doing the photo shoot for the Rage Talk live tour. The whole thing is there as well as this week's episode is all about life in Hawaii and what we're up to. And you'll see how I did that workout and definitely pushed myself too hard. Uh, But why Hawaii, why we're here, why I love it so much. And that is over on my YouTube channel. So just go into YouTube and I think it's forward slash Rachel Hollis motivation, something like that. But um, go subscribe. There's a gajillion videos there that you can go watch. And not all of them are vlogs, obviously. There's like old keynote speeches and Rachel Talk episodes and interviews with celebrities and this, that, and the other thing. So feel free to go peruse that if you're a YouTube person and subscribe to the channel while you're there because that would be nice of you. We would love that. The last thing I wanted to tell you guys about is I did an entire podcast that I really love and I think is really important and I have not promoted it enough because I was so hyped on the hormone episode. And that is an episode I did about emotional eating. So I shared the journey and the struggle that I've had over the years with my own emotional eating and binge eating. And I read a book that totally changed changed my life really, truly changed my life, changed how I approach food, changed my body, like all of it. It's not a diet. It's not a gimmick. It's nothing you need to buy. But I did a podcast episode about it. And I just want to share a little bit of that conversation with you so that if you want to go 
hear more, you can listen to 290. That's 290, How to Stop Emotional Eating. But this is a quick start to that conversation, and I hope you find it helpful. I naturally reset into this place where I eat foods that are what I was aspiring to eat all the time anyway, right? Like whole foods, fruits, veggies, nuts, like things that make me feel really good. But if I get a craving, which I do now very rarely, I just have it. And I don't feel weird about it at all. That's the thing. Before I would eat something and I would feel shame or I would feel pissed or I would feel some really intense emotion about food. A certain food would make me feel a certain way. And I didn't realize how much of that was still resonating inside my body. Just think about it. When you've done something for decades, subconsciously that pattern is there. You are wired to feel a certain way and to do certain things. So it takes a lot of unpacking to get rid of all of those layers. But what I'm blown away by, I am blown away by how I feel. I'm blown away like this is not the point, but I'm just going to say it because it's real. Like if we were, if we were friends and we're sitting, I would tell, I'm blown away by the way I look. I'm blown away by my body. I'm not on a diet. I am not doing anything to like have the lightness in my being that I've always wanted. I'm eating Whenever I'm hungry, I'm eating amazing foods. I'm having so much fun cooking because all of a sudden, you know, if for any of you who are cooks like I am, we get excited about trying new dishes, but you'll see stuff and you're like, well, you know, I can't eat that or I have to eat that on a special occasion or no, no, I don't. I, I'm going to make that thing and I'm going to have one taco instead of seven. It's pretty wild. Honestly, no bad foods honoring your hunger. And this process, when I eventually sort of reset and it kind of all evened out and I felt good, I don't have to think about it anymore. It means that I naturally, I just naturally, I don't eat as much food. I don't eat as much food. I stop eating when I'm full. And I definitely had tried that in the past. Like I've had for sure, times where I'm like, okay, be conscious of stopping your eating before you're full. But I had to really think about it. And it was like really part of my overall plan. Now I don't even think about it. I eat slower. I eat with more intention. I savor the food more. It's delicious. And the things that I already knew were not good for my system, by allowing myself to have everything, I just have naturally removed those things. Like, I just, you know, I love it. I love cheese so much. You guys probably heard me talk about this for years. I love dairy. I love, it doesn't love me back. Cheese never gonna love me back. And so I just have to stop. And I don't reach for it anymore because I'm so much more naturally intentional about what I put in my body based on trying this thing. If we're going to dinner right now, this is what I would tell you guys. I would tell you to go buy the book because it's so helpful and you can't just buy it. You actually have to read it. And when you're reading it, you're going to be like, oh, that'll never work. It's wild. 
And I love it because it's like such a beautiful way of approaching your health. It's approaching your health with love and with grace and with the intention to make yourself feel good. I've been talking about this for years that, you know, in the US, we approach, I'm using air quotes again, we say that to be healthy is to be thin. We say that to be healthy is about how you look. I think that to be healthy is about how you feel. That's why you have to approach it from every single part of yourself. But what's very interesting to me is that when you start to release this baggage, when you start to release the emotional toxicity you have around food and nutrition, that weight that you've been holding on to lets go. I love Louise Hay. If you guys haven't read Louise Hay, um, specifically, there's a book called You Can Heal Your Life. It's, God, I think it sold like 25 million copies or something. It's an older book. But I love that book. And I love it when she talks about that oftentimes we carry weight as a form of protection. That when we feel unsafe, or maybe when we were little, we learned to hold on to that weight as a form of protection. And I just resonate with that so deeply. And we get to a place where we're at war with ourselves and we're at war with our bodies and we're at war with food and we feel confused. I do think part of the reason that this has been so helpful for me is I don't think about it anymore. How much freaking time do you spend thinking about food or thinking about the right thing to eat or thinking about the wrong thing that you ate? How much time and energy and focus do you give to not eating the right thing? Maybe you're better than I am, man. I thought about that a lot. I realize now how much psychic energy, I mean like not psychic like I can see the future, but like psychically holding space for what I was eating and what my body looked like and was I bloated and did I have inflammation and now I feel shame like, holy crap. Those things are removed from my life by doing something that feels like the opposite of what can actually work. If you've never tried this before, I just, just try. I, I don't know anybody else who's done it, honestly, other than the examples that they give in the book. So I don't know. I don't know if it'll work for you, but it absolutely worked for me and it continues to work for me. And I am feeling so good. And I, I mean, just for the very thought of not thinking about food or not thinking about my body anymore, that's worth a gajillion dollars to me. <laughs> I mean, not like nobody's actually backing a truck up filled with a gajillion dollars, but just oh my gosh, what a happier life. What a happier life. Give it a try. That's like, we're girlfriends and we're having dinner. This is the thing I want to tell you. Intuitive eating and those two ideas, honor your hunger and no bad food. Because if you honor your hunger, your body learns to trust you. Let me say it again. If you honor your hunger, your body learns to trust you. If you've been on and off of yo-yo diets your whole life, your body can't trust you. Your body does not trust that you are going to feed it. Think about that. Like, do you ever feel like, wow, I've 
I've been really eating great foods and I don't know, like I just am holding so much water weight. My body's holding on to so much and I don't understand why it's not releasing. Well, it's not releasing because your body doesn't trust that it's going to eat again. Think about it. Remember this idea of our body holds on to things as a form of protection. So when you have digestive issues, right? When you hold on, it's like your body doesn't eliminate the way that it's supposed to because it's very unsure. When you honor your hunger, you trust yourself. You trust you to take care of you. On the most basic human level, we have to eat. And if that relationship is hurt, warped, broken, you're never going to be whole. It's a healing journey. My whole adult life is just one long healing journey to learn how to do better, to learn how to love myself better and to show up better in this world. And it's funny how some of the most fundamental core human things can have the most profound effect on everything else. Okay, guys, that is the start of our conversation for this week. I will be back later in the week with another podcast episode. I promise that one will be a bit more meaty and a bit less me just chatting. But maybe if you were like, you know, working or walking your dog or doing your dishes, this was a good thing to have on the background, I hope. I am so excited to see you guys this fall for tour. I hope that you will check in and let me know what you're thinking. And if you have any questions about how to buy, honestly, anything, you can call the podcast hotline. I'm always turning those listener questions into podcast episodes. And I'd love to hear from you. If you go to the show notes, all the details will be there. If you are still with me at this point, will you please make sure that you are subscribed to my podcast? It's one of the nicest, best, easiest things you can do for hosts is just to subscribe to our show. And if you've got a second and you dig it, give it a, give it a, I don't know, four star, five star, 10 stars, whatever star number you feel like is appropriate. Like I said, I'll be back later with more conversation. And until then, remember, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.